Thank you for your patience and flexibility. You are the most flexible church ever. And I'm thankful for that. Um, hey, I'm going to pray to get us started. We're starting a new series. We're, we're coming out of Mark. Some of you are like, finally. We're not done with Mark. Um, we're right at the uh, chapter 13. We're right as Jesus is entering Jerusalem. We'll pick that up in 2022. Uh, but this fall, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm going to introduce that a bit today. And then um, we're going to take this journey together, okay? So let me pray. God, we are grateful to be gathered together. Because being together, worshiping together, hitting a pause button on our lives and our emotions and our activity, to gather, to make the intentional effort to come together, to gather, to worship in song, to worship in Intellect as we listen to um, scripture, as we wrestle it out in our own hearts and lives, this is why we gather. We gather to encourage each other, to pray for each other. And so, God, show us the way forward this morning as we enter this passage. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Jane read James. The letter of James. James, many scholars believe this, the brother of Jesus. And James is writing this letter. If you've spent any time in the book of James, the letter, James is writing it to a whole group of people who are not in their home. Who have been scattered, who have been pushed out, who have fled and this letter is about the late 60s AD, and it's, when you think about what's going on in Jerusalem, there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of uh, angst, there's a lot of fighting and violence. The Roman occupation is actually getting uglier as some of the Jewish people are revolting. And James is writing this uh, to everybody who's been scattered. So it's been copied and scribes are sending it out to everybody to hear. They're no longer together as a church. And this is becoming a point where obedience is difficult and it's not comfortable and it's not easy. And some of the people are actually thinking it might be easier to shed the label of follower of the way, which is what they call themselves, and to just go back to being Jewish. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually do a little quick word study a little bit through this passage. And my, my prayer is, is this kind of sets us up for where we're going. Uh-oh. Come get it, Levi. See, this is what happens when you got cute kids. They just dominate. Because they're cute. Um, so let's start. Let's go verse by verse. This won't be too long because we're outside and there's kids amongst us. You're like, yeah, famous last words. Dan's probably thinking to himself, this is going to take forever. You got to go? Okay. Let's start. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Verse 2, consider it pure joy. That word consider 
is the Greek word that means to actually mathematically count up and measure the joy. Count up and measure uh, the calculation of the trials you are facing. We'll get into that here in a second. To measure those trials as joy. Which is kind of a foreign concept to us. And the idea here is if and when you begin to value what God values, you will begin to realize that the trials that you face, that I face in life, are actually a net value to us and not a net loss. And that's the language here, that considerate part. And, and, it's, and it's, here's where it goes wrong for me. When I get frustrated at the different things that are happening in my life, the circumstances that are going wrong, the things that are out of my control, the frustrations, the diagnoses, the, the pain, the things that are happening in our world, I tend to get a mindset of a tourist. Now, the mindset of a tourist isn't that bad. Anybody been a tourist this summer? few of you. A few of you are like, I want to be a tourist so bad. <laughs> so bad. But it's not bad to be a tourist. I'm not saying it's not bad to visit places and to sightsee and all that kind of stuff. But when that becomes our mindset about our lives, what changes? See, when we approach life as a tourist, basically what we're doing is we're trying to approach life as What's in it for me, this, the next experience, the next adventure, the next pleasurable meal and um, rest and people serving me. That's a tourist mindset. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a little bit. But this idea of being a pilgrim is a whole different story. Anybody heard of pilgrimages? Anybody? Yeah. Some famous pilgrimages in uh, Europe, uh, the Camino. And if you've ever met anybody that's walked or traveled the Camino, it's not a tourist. I mean, some parts have become touristy, but the, the whole point is the destination. And when you're a pilgrim, when you have a pilgrim mindset, there's no way to think of the difficult things that happen to you in life as a loss. You weigh it differently. You calculate it differently. And that's what James is getting at here. So when you look back at your life over the last 18 months, it was funny. I was having a conversation with a guy who I hung out with. The last time I hung out with him was early February 2020. Remember how great that was? And we're all just like, whatevs. We're all, we're all just like, life's normal. And the last time I talked to him was then. And we were both talking about how that felt like five years ago. And in the meantime, many of us have lost relationships. <clears throat> we've lost family relationship. We've lost friendship relationship. We've lost, we've lost plans that we had for being a tourist or whatever. We've lost plans. Plans have just been chucked out the window. We've lost freedoms. We've lost normalcy. We've lost jobs. Some of you have lost jobs, lost direction. Um, I was sitting with someone this week that she's just like, I just don't even know my direction right now. Because of everything that's happened this last year, I don't even know where I'm going. And so James says this weird phrase, consider it pure joy. 
And the word pure here in Greek doesn't, it means there's no mixture. It's actual pure, perfect, you know, that whole child, when a child is so excited and so joyful, it's like just spills out of them. That's what James is saying here. So I don't know what Jaden's talking about about this verse. But it doesn't hit us as like, this is my life verse. Like, let's tattoo it on ourselves. It, it feels like, are you crazy, James? Consider it pure joy. and Because he goes on to say, when you face trials. And the idea here that James is getting to us is that there is this, that God somehow, in the way God works, and in God's economy, and how God wants to stretch us and push us, and create in us something that's not yet there. That God has a corresponding joy for every trial that we face. And I'm still trying to figure that one out. But let's push in this a little bit more. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about the difference between a pilgrim and a tourist. I'm going to just throw some ideas out at you and see if these hit. Tourist joy is a joy that is about comfort, it's about ease, it's about pleasure, it's about being served, it's about the plans that we have made, um, that we have created, and those plans coming to fruition, right? If you ever work with an itinerary and a travel agent, things like that, um, it tends to be self-focused. And we easily find ourselves complaining when our Tourist plans don't go right. Okay, so that's a tourist mindset of joy. A pilgrim joy is something different. It's about overcoming. It's about victories. It's about real rest. It's about timing and contentment. It's about this idea of having just enough and feeling like a king or a queen. It's about the journey. It's about the destination and the direction of that destination. It's about the people along the way and serving the people along the way and allowing the people along the way to serve you. It's about hospitality. It's about laying down your expectations in your following. And so a pilgrim and a tourist don't follow the same itinerary. A pilgrim is on a sacred journey towards God in which God is encountering them through the places and the people and the situations that they encounter along the way. And we experience that, right? Like you've had moments where people have come into your life at just the right time. A tourist is about the best a place has to offer. It's about people who help them meet their needs and it's about acquiring souvenirs. And so James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He's not saying if you face trials. He's saying when. It's not if, it's when. And Job puts it this way. If you've ever read the book of Job, Job puts it this way. He says, yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. 
Some of you know this painfully true right now in this moment. And the idea here is that James is kind of recalculating, re recalibrating our expectations by saying that when we accept the fact that life is hard and it's not just the path to joy, it's a path to maturity. Like when you accept that life is difficult and situations and there's trials and there's difficulties and temptations and all those things, you will actually experience joy. You will actually experience maturity and that the true path to joy uh, this is one philosopher. I, I forget the guy's name. It just came in my head as I was writing. I remember someone saying that the true path to joy is reality minus expectations. I mean, think about that. And the word face here is to fall into. So when he says you will face trials of many kinds, it's, it's, it's this idea of falling into or tripping over a situation. Man. Too much fun. Too much fun. That'll be some trials over there. Everybody grab an apple. Just kidding. Um, to face something, and and this is uh, actually a definition of that. It actually comes from a, a Greek lexicon. To experience somewhat suddenly that which is difficult or bad. And the Greek word is parasmos for trials. And that word can be translated trials, temptation, test. It's also the Greek word that we translate for disaster. And wait for it, plague. So whenever you're reading the New Testament, and you read um, per, the word parasmus or trials, it's the same Greek word for plague. Kind of crazy. And then the word many is this beautiful imagery of multicolored, you know, just a whole variety of trials. A whole variety. So we're in a little group participation in honor of the fact that we're together as a group and that Dan's here because he's good at group participation. What are some trials that you have faced? You don't have to get into details, but it can be kind of categorical trials that you have faced over this last year? What are some difficulties? What are some things that you have, you have faced as a family, as an individual, over the last year? Shout them out. Finances. Finances. Health. 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 More? Parenting. Daycare closure. Parenting. Daycare closure. That throws a wrench in things. What else? Family relationships. Family relationships. What did you say, Asher? That's definitely a trial. Death. Death. A lot of, lot of, lot of mourning in this community this year and, and the year before. What else? Politics. Politics has been a trial. What else? Distance from family. Distance from family. Just a little bit of distance. Yeah. yeah. These are things we face. These are things we trip over as we move forward in life. And that's this idea of a pilgrim journey. You are moving forward in life. And we trip over these trials of many kinds. All of them, James says, is to consider pure joy. 
What is the reason for James saying, consider all these trials pure joy? Does this, does this sound like some sort of like a Christian cliche coffee cup verse? Consider it pure joy. Like, those things make me angry. Why is he saying this? And so for those of you who are feeling literally right here in this moment, acute pain, acute loss, why would I do that? Why would I cons consider the, what I'm going through right now pure joy? Well, here's the reason, according to James. He says, because you know, that word is gnosko, which is experiential knowledge. You mean anybody street smarts in here? Street smarts over intellectual smarts, anybody? Feel like that's them? No one wants to admit that, but street smarts are definitely better than intellectual smarts. Okay? Fake it till you make it, right? Because you know, because you've experienced that this testing that James is talking about, and this isn't test like go to school, you know, recite back the answer kind of a test. This is the kind of test that when, for instance, a automobile manufacturer, uh, uh, like if they roll out a new Range Rover or Land Rover or what's that new Bronco? Did anybody want that? No? So when they... <laughs> When they throw these things out, they make claims about what that vehicle can do, okay? Then what they do is they hand the keys over to an advertising crew and a film crew, and they test the claim. And they take that thing up a mountain and through a river, roll it over and do all this stuff to test the claim. And basically what that means is, it does this vehicle actually have the ability to make what the ability to do what the creator made it for. Does that make sense? Same thing for you and me. Do you and I have the ability to do what the creator made us for? And what a field test is for an off-road vehicle, trials are for a disciple of Jesus. And so for a pilgrim, that's the mindset. That the trial, that the difficulty is actually for me, okay, to grow, to become what God actually is stretching me to become. But for a tourist, when you have a, tour, a tourist mindset in following Jesus, what do you do? You rebook. You complain. You blame. Tourists plan to avoid pain, to avoid layovers. To avoid rough parts of town. To avoid frustration. And so what, what he says is, you know that the testing of your faith, okay, produces perseverance. And so the word faith is not belief. Those are two different words. Uh, belief is having to do with trust and reliance on God. Faith actually is the Greek word pistos which is actually how long can we hold on to that trust and reliance on God through trials, okay? Faith in God is faithfulness to God no matter what comes. And so the question is, here's the big question this morning. You're like, finally. Do we trust Jesus enough to stay faithful as a pilgrim and not to revert to being a tourist. 
Do we trust it? Because here's what it produces. It produces perseverance. Perseverance is the Greek word hypomone. Can you say hypomone? This is, I know you're like, word studies are boring. Too bad. Uh, different versions of this in, in different versions of the Bible, uh, whether it's translations, ESV, NLT, whatever. Perseverance, endurance, steadfastness. One lexicon puts it that capacity continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. And it's this idea of staying and remaining when you are under pressure to live and love when circumstances are against you. It's this idea of living with hope. And hope is a tricky thing because people throw it around like it's no big deal, but it's a big deal. It's actually the expectation of coming good based on the promises of God. And so when a pilgrim goes on a journey, a pilgrim goes towards something. And as a follower of Jesus, we are moving towards something, and that is hope. And it's this idea of living well in the here and now, no matter what the circumstances. And you and I are all drawn to these stories, right? Of people who are going through tremendous hardship, and yet they're living well, and they're loving well, and they're like, their, their pain is being transformed as they persevere through it, and it's actually motivating and pulling people in, right? You've seen these stories, you've heard these stories, you're probably living with someone in this story. It's this idea of keep going. And then James says, let perseverance finish its work. And I love how Eugene Peterson, he translates this in the message, don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Don't try to get out of it prematurely. You guys, we live in a tourist culture. Everything around us is trying to get us to get out of difficult things prematurely. Hard relationship, cut them off. You know? Hard week, Netflix. We don't live in the hard. And then he goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God doesn't want you to lack anything. He wants to do things in us that actually stretch us and grow us and, and form new muscles in us to become the kind of people that he wants us to be. The, the wild thing is that, that word finish is the verb form and mature is the noun form of the same word. And that same word is telos in Greek. And so if you've studied philosophy at all, you know what teleology is. It's this, the end goal of something or someone, right? And so the telos is maturity and that maturity for us, for you and I is Christ-likeness. Or if you come from the Eastern Orthodox tradition, it's this idea of theosis, which is godliness, godlikeness. And the point in which a follower of Jesus shows up in life more and more as one whose inner life is about God and love and sacrifice and, and just laying down their life for somebody else. That, that behavior begins to line up with who God is 
That's the goal. That's the telos. That's maturity and that's the completeness. And so here's where we land the plane this morning. Before the trial that you're experiencing right now, you were not as mature and incomplete. And some of you are saying, wait a second, are you telling me that God actually throws things at me, throws evil things to me and at me so that he makes me mature? And that's not what I'm saying. Some in the Christian tradition would say that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's something missing in us that God wants to use the evil and the pain that's happening around us to form us. So avoiding the pain we think is the way through and that the best traveler in this whole thing called life is safety and comfort conscious, this tourist mindset. But the tourist misses what the pilgrim welcomes. And I'm going to read you a quote from Eugene Peterson that I think sums it up really, really well. He says, for a follower of Jesus to become a tourist instead of a pilgrim is to lose the story that tells us who we are. To lose the story that tells us where we're headed and what we must do to get there. The world calls that liberation. We must call it slavery and resistance. The willingness to suffer for the sake of destination is what makes all the difference. And if you've spent any time reading scripture, the promise of the people of God is that they are being formed as they travel. Whether you're talking about the people of Israel, whether you're talking about the church in the New Testament, we are being formed as we travel. And here's one final quote from a sociologist. He's got an interesting name. It's Zygmunt Bauman. So if you're looking for baby names, Zygmunt. He talks about tourists like this. He says, tourists are people who flip from place to place on a whim, consuming what pleasures we can find there without making any commitment to the place, moving on when we get bored and things get tough. So church, we're heading into a season where we're going to be actually concentrated on this idea of being pilgrims, not tourists. And what we're going to be doing in a couple weeks, we're going to be starting... Uh, a study through the songs, the Psalms of Ascent, which is uh, Psalm 120 through 134. And each psalm was thought to be another step for the pilgrims who are coming to Jerusalem to do some prayer as they ascend the steps. And I just think it's going to be a perfect opportunity for us to reorient, okay, what does it look like to follow Jesus right now as the people of God and as the people of God have done so throughout history? Because we are disciples. 
And disciples actually follow close to their teacher. Not learning intellectual facts about the Bible, not learning intellectual facts about Jesus, but more like a craftsman learns from a master. More like an apprentice who learns a trade. And we're actually called to that journey. And I want you to pair that image of being a disciple with what it looks like to be a pilgrim. Because pilgrims have a uniqueness to themselves. We are people who follow after God. We believe that we are going someplace. That our path for getting there is through Jesus, who Jesus calls himself the way. And that's where we're headed. A couple of suggestions for you along the way. If you have some, if you want some reading to do on the side. Anybody heard of the book, A Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan? Anybody? It's a classic. It's a huge metaphor. Some weird language and imagery in there. Um, just like any book, I mean, you're like, if you read this book, and Ryan mentioned it, it must be perfect the whole way through. Um, it's <laughs> literature. It's um, heavy at times. It's confusing at times. But it's this idea of following Jesus on a pilgrimage. There's actually a version for kids called the Children's Pilgrim's Progress, which is... Actually, something I would recommend as well. But this is the idea. That you and I have to fight this urge to live as a tourist. We're not here on a tourist visa. We're here for a reason. And God wants to do something through even your pain, even the difficulties that you face in your life right now, to make you into that kind of person. So I'm going to pray as we wrap this up. And uh, we've got some things for you. Father, show us what it looks like. Jesus, invite us into the way of following you, through you. Spirit, give us the ability to see that all the difficult things that have happened to us, all the things that we have tripped over, all the trials that we have faced are meant for us to experience joy. And the joy isn't necessarily party joy. And although it can be, it's the kind of joy knowing that you are forming us from the inside out. That you are creating something in us that nothing else can create in us. And as frustrated as we are, and as so much we want to just escape it, and we want to leave it. That you want to change us. That you are forming us as a community right now in the midst of our homelessness. Into the kind of people that you want us to be. And as hard as that is, as we're in this space, we're in this threshold moment, we're in this liminal space where it's, it's something in us that wants to get out of it as soon as possible. You are holding us here. And transforming us 
God, we trust you. We believe in you. And together we're going to link arms and do our best and have faith, faithfulness to stay close. We pray these things in your name. Amen.